For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. So I guess to, to to qualify you for Dirt Talk, yep, it's for a niche podcast. Yep. Uh, let's get that out of the way. You own a skid steer. Yes. How many do you have? One. I have one skid steer. Uh, I borrow another skid steer, which is my brother's. He's got two. Okay. But it's out of my place. Yeah. And then uh, we got a John Deere two fifty. And I say this is a, this is the great thing about having a brother who's ultra successful. We have <laughs> a John Deere two fifty. He has that stays at my place. Yeah. And then we got a six fifty five John Deere high lift. So the uh, <clears throat> that excavator you've been running around in, yep. that's his that he used for the garage. You got it. So nice. it's, can we just move it around? Nice. You know, it's like project driven. I'm trying to buy the lot next to me in my house and we're going to tear it down and yeah. we'll just move it over there. That's kind of nice to have your own. It is awesome. How how many t- how often do you do you run equipment? Seems like you do it almost every weekend. Yeah. I mean, I got I mean, I had so this is my second Bobcat and just my personal Bobcat, I had about 850 hours on my first one that's not bad i mean for a weekend warrior it's pretty good that's not bad you know at what all. i mean so i put it down yeah um and then i got when i bought the farm i got a t76 and um i probably already have 125 hours on it I bought yeah. it in may so i mean for a weekend warrior i can get down i've so followed you for a while and it used to just crack me up that you'd have the bobcat at your house yeah and Enzo. And Enzo yeah. on your lap. And yeah. there'd be like a stick in the driveway. Yep. And you guys would be running to the Bobcat. Like, we got to go get that. <laughs> he's still like that. At the farm, he's still like that. You think we can get it with the Bobcat? I'm like, yeah, we can get it with the Bobcat. And the, the joke on that is, is is they call me, like from high school, my brother and my dad and all my friends, they would call me Bobcat because I was the same way. Huh. We'd be like, oh, we got some leaves to pick up in the front yard. And I'm like, well, go get the fucking Bobcat. You know what I mean? We'll put it in the bucket. We'll be all right. Yeah. And uh, it's awesome that he is, he has picked up the same love. And I, you know, I think it's, uh, that's the farm has been a great experience for us that way because we get to share that passion. I get to share my passion with him and he's picking it up. So it's cool. Sure. Yeah. How did you, I want to get into the farm, but how did you grow up? Can you explain just how your dad was, how growing up was? Yeah. Um, My dad's one of 12. So just to be clear, we're live. Like you want a podcast? Like we're yeah. we're banging here. Yeah, we're, we're going, All right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I don't know if you're doing like some homework. So you get your recon work, so you can attack me. No, this yeah. isn't a very. Now we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, my dad's one of twelve. Um, we grew up in a, a really cool environment because my dad's a blue collar kid, mm-hmm. uh, about as blue collar as it comes. Um, comes from a blue collar family. His dad was an electrician. My dad got into the electrical contracting business. Uh, so did all of his brothers. So my dad was an electrical supply house uh, distributor. And there were five boys. 
and all five of the boys got into electrical contracting. So we grew up, you know, pulling wire, hanging ceiling fans, you know, filling orders, driving hot shots, doing whatever it is, getting on a forklift at, you know, before OSHA at eight, you know, moving pallets, things like that. And Andrew and I were really fortunate because we had a dad who was raised to work. And, um, you know, he never shied away from that work, never let us shy away from the work. We mowed grass when we were, you know, you're talking about putting bricks on the seats so the, the engine would stay hot, right? So it's one of those things that we were always raised to be around equipment, be around hammers, to be around drills. And and that's uh, something that you know, I've taken a liking to over my life and and something that uh, is very ingrained in who I am as a human. Um, you know, I still do a lot of the manual labor around my farm. I still do a lot of the manual labor around my house um, because it's something I enjoy to do. And a lot of people always say, well, you know, well, you could cut, you don't have to cut your own grass. I'm like, I'm aware, you know, <laughs> but my grass is perfect, yeah. you know, and I take pride in that. And so that's something that, uh, you know, we grew up, you know, making homemade ramps and dirt bikes and, you know, cleaning out, you know, blowing, blowing uh, carburetor spray in to get the motor to start. Like we've, we've done a little bit of everything just to, to make it work. And so it's been a lot of fun. And I, I would never take that side of my life and wish it away or want somebody to work for, for, for that for me. I'd rather teach it to my son, take pride in the, in the craftsmanship and the, the, uh, process and, you know, really learn to, to love it and enjoy it. It's, it's funny. Every, uh, pretty much everybody that is a contractor uses their kids as free labor. Yeah. I've, I've noticed. But that's my dad was one of 12 when his dad was an electrical contractor. And he, the joke yeah. is they would go in cause they had hand drills. My dad's he's 76, 70, yeah, 76. And they used to hand drill everything. And if you've ever run wire, I mean, drilling the holes with even, you know, a power drill is a pain in the ass. It's just yeah. annoying. It's not hard. It's just annoying. And then you think about, you know, hand drilling every hole. Well, if you got five boys, well, it's a hell of a lot easier. You know what I mean? So they would show up on Saturday after school or, you know, whatever, and they would go drill, knock out all the holes. And then, you know, my grandpa would probably come back on Monday and pull all the wire, right? Yeah. And set it all together. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, that's actually an appreciation that I've had, you know, with my farm or really just farming in general, as, as I get older, you know, you start to think about the men who actually built America and, you know, all of the tools and all of the implements and, and machinery that we have today. And, you know, we want to talk about, you know, how hard we work or how great we are, right? I mean, it's just the nature of who, how humans are. Mm -hmm. But I think about the guy, you know, the 1937 Johnny Popper, John Deere, that's got a three bait, three blade, you know, pole on it. And it's like, those guys were men. Like they were some mm -hmm. bad son of a bitches, you know, mm -hmm. and they would plow a field and, you know, now you got a, you know, 200 horse air conditioned, Bluetooth, air ride, GPS driven, you know, John Deere 6430, right? And you just crank it, turn it gear and it moves around and sets the seat. And these guys were out there, you know, setting it. So I, I really have a great deal of appreciation for the, the men that built the country because it's it's pretty rad when you think about it. Yeah. And I mean, they're still, it, it's it's a lot more comfortable now, but a lot of those guys are still out there 18, 20 hours a day Without during question. peak season. And I think like society, one of the big problems is we've been so comfortable for so long. Right. Like every time in my life that I've flipped the switch on the, on the wall, the lights come on. That's right. I haven't thought twice about it. I've just viewed it as a basic it's just basic part of life. It's like the grass is green. Lights right. come on. And people forget there's a lot of work that it takes to make that a reality. And I think so many people have been so removed from the work now 
yeah. it's causing a lot of problems. Of course, but you're from Phoenix, so you don't know what green grass is. Let's get that <laughs> no, one. It's AstroTurf. No, that's spiky things. That's how, that's yeah, how yeah. Cadillac you yeah, are. Yeah. It, uh, no, but I, I mean- in Paradise Valley. There's some pretty nice lawns. That is true. It's a yeah. lot of water. You guys avoid <laughs> the water laws. No, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, it. Uh, the great men and women that literally build the infrastructure that we have today are equally, uh, from a work ethic, work ethic standpoint- uh, still put it in. It's just different, right? I mean, our Cadillac, our our expectation is so different than it was back then that it's it's it's. I still enjoy the process so much, and I still love like even this building. You know, we built this building, and you know, we built it in a year, and it's a hundred or two hundred eighty eight thousand square feet. And you know, to 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 have relationships with the people that showed up every single day yeah. you know, through COVID and, and you know with supply chain shortages and you know to work with those people and I always told them like if you're here I'm here you know I'll show up whenever you want me to be I don't care if it's six a.m. six p.m. whatever you need for me to get it done and you know I, I just I don't even know that it's the blue collar uh, side of life I just think it's good people in general mm-hmm. you know hard people who work hard work hard yeah. you know it doesn't matter doesn't matter if you're swinging a hammer, digging a ditch, or or running a boardroom. I mean, I think there's a there's a respect level that comes across individuals that when you respect one another or admire one another, you'll be there for one another. And I think, you know, this building for me was a kind of a, I don't want to say a tribute to my, to my upbringing, but it, I learned a lot from my dad. And I'm very fortunate to have a dad who was involved me in the process. And I think this building allowed me to shine those skills, right? You know, I, I know a little bit about uh, the trades. Grew up doing a little bit of everything, flat work, foundation work, electrical work, uh, swung hammers, you know, done run equipment. So I, I have enough to speak the language, if you will. Yeah. And then I have the appreciation to where I would go in and sit in on the project manager meetings and we're going to talk. Like, what do you guys need? We're going to move a wall. What do you need? You know, how can I help? What do I, what do, I do? And I think that respect you know, is up the chain and down the chain. And I think where we've lost touch with society is the importance that we all have to get along and we all have to work together mm-hmm. if we're going to continue to roll down, you know, this Cadillac life that we all live. And, you know, that's an important aspect. And you look at society today, just look politically, you know, it's, everything's a fight and everything's a divide. And, you know, you know, without, without me, this doesn't work or without you, it doesn't work. And I think when you want to build something great, much like a great life, like you got to come together, you know, you got to, you want a great marriage? You got to come together. You got to learn to communicate. You got to meet them halfway. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, mad respect for obviously the people who are doing it 18 hours a day, but I think it's anybody who's doing it 18 hours a day, yeah. right? Not just digging a ditch, but anybody who's willing to create the life that they want um, and will pay the price, which is hard work, dedication, time, sacrifice, investment. Um, kudos to those people because those are the people I want to get down with. Mm-hmm. Now with, with you growing up, in that blue collar environment, electrical contractor, your dad making you guys work, you're in a different scenario today, obviously. Yep. How are you instilling that blue collar work ethic into your son, Enzo? I, th- I think it's uh, it's very simple, right? If um, if you want, if you want, there's only one way to lead, yep. and it's by example. And you know, I've witnessed a lot of uh, kids. You know, we employ about. 300 kids. We have about 500 total corporate employees and about 12,000 reps. So I got a lot of interaction with kids. And most of those guys are and girls are under 30. So, and the difference between, I think the good and the great are, you know, I look at the relationship, maybe not with their parents, but you know, the skill sets that they have, and it's all about work ethic. And it's about the, 
you know, the versatility and work ethic and willingness to be able to do anything, whether it's sweep the floor or run a spreadsheet, right, or or uh, help when we're doing a sampling booth. And I think that variety of work is something that's taught at a young age. And it'd be real easy for me to just say, hey, Enzo, you know, people cut the grass, you know, people paint our house, people paint rooms. Uh, but I think it's extremely important for me to show him that we do that and we're capable of doing that. Yeah. And here's how you do that, right? And so... Um, you know, if you want to be a person uh, of character, you have to teach them character traits. Yeah. And part of those are, uh, one of our core values here at First Form is lead by example. And I'm always a man of do, not say. And I always, I tell people, it's one of the things I say when I speak, you know, you're judged by how you act, not what you think. And when I think about my son, what do I want to develop in him? I want to develop a work ethic that's unmatched. And the only way to develop that work ethic is to show him that work ethic, right? And so, you know, it's, um, sure, it'd be real easy for me. You know, I got a pretty cool business. Um, you know, I guess by society's terms, you know, relatively successful. Um, but success for me is, you know, how I leave the seeds of my life, which are my children, uh, so that they can go and inspire more people to do better than I did. Mm -hmm. And work ethic is it's ingrained in every single successful person that I've ever met. And I want to be and teach my children to be people that do not talk. What does it actually look like on like a daily basis? Man, that's a great question. So obviously I, um, in a perfect world about that on a daily basis, uh, in a perfect world, you know, balance, I think for most parents, um, or very difficult, especially parents of young children, uh, because those are those young years for children are very impressionable years, and you realize that, and, and they go fast, and that's what I'm realizing more as I get older. And it's difficult because I have a labor of love, which is work, and I enjoy coming to work every day. I mean, I absolutely love it. Like mm -hmm. some people dread going to work, like I love it. Like this is what I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I go to battle with these kids every single day, and for as long as I live, and I hope that I can. So it would be very easy for me to you know, drop my kids off early, you know, put them in early daycare, take them out early, you know, pick them up late. And, you know, I don't want to say let other people raise my kids because I can afford to do that. Um, but like most things in life, the more difficult route is to invest time and energy and effort. Right. And so <clears throat> I've learned that, you know, my younger years of business, I was all out of whack. And what I mean by that is life felt like whack-a-mole, man. I was never centered. Hmm. No matter what I did, I was always lost. Like I always, I get home, and we'd be up 100% that month. And I'd feel like I'm, you know, I'm missing, like something's wrong. It's not working. And, uh, you know, I, I developed, and, and I have a really cool relationship with a guy by the name of Tim Grover. I don't know if you know who Tim Grover is, yeah. the relentless guy. And yeah. Tim and I are very, very close. And he's a very dear friend of mine. And, you know, and, I, and you know, he told me one time, Sal, you, you know, you can't run like that. And uh, he's like, listen, I watched the greatest of the great run like you. And I'm going to tell you, it breaks everybody. And I'm like, oh, no, I could do it, you know, arrogant, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, he kind of, you know, he kind of pointed me in some directions of figuring out what's most important to me and attacking that. And for me, uh, when we talked a little bit about personal branding last night at dinner, but, you know, for me, and I teach this, and so I kind of, you know, it's amazing, like, you know, like any great teacher, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I had to listen to my own advice and I had to figure out, okay, what's most important to me? And the three things that are most important to me that, that, um, I had to focus and recenter my life around our fit, fitness, family, and business. And, uh, you know, fitness and business and family kind of all go together for me because that's the life I live. However, 
Um, you know, I love them all autonomously or independently. And so I had to figure out how to get those three things done every day. If I don't do fitness for me personally, uh, it puts me in a rut. Like I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. I've struggled with weight my whole life. Um, I enjoy fitness and it's something that's important to me. I love business. Like I absolutely love business. I could do it all day long, 20 hours a day, no problem. And, and I show up every single day. I don't miss. I mean, I can't tell you a day. We've owned this building for 18 months. I've been here every single day unless I've been out of town. You know, mm -hmm. Christmas Day, it doesn't matter. And family. Uh, that was, you know, something that's a priority to me. You know, I, my wife and our marriage is extremely important to me. Um, I brought those kids into the world, and it's my duty to raise them, right? It kind of goes back to the point we were just talking about. And, and, and I didn't want to be one of those parents that had regret. And I, I did a podcast on this, you know, on the Real AF, you know, talking about regret. <clears throat> you know, when you die, because we're all going to die, the goal should be to have the least amount of regret as physically possible. And when you start balancing out what that is, well, if my kids are going to be the legacy that I leave on earth, well, I need to make sure that I leave the least amount of regret with those kids. And so I had to focus those things, those three things in my life. And so balance is not really achievable. I think people say that it is, but the truth of the matter is, is if you're a high drive, high uh, want, need individual, you're always going to win at all things. And I, and I think winning at all things is setting up an unrealistic expectation. And so what I did is I balanced my schedule to fulfill the obligations that are most important to me. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, I get up every day at 5.30 and I work out. And I don't, you know, I don't have to like, you know, hit the assault bike for fucking two hours and kill <laughs> myself. It's more about the, the, the alone time mm -hmm. and, you know, getting, making, making sure that I get up and get moving, you know, being a healthy example for my kids and for our community is extremely important to me. So I get up, I usually watch the news, Fox business. I don't like, I don't like watching the full fledged news, especially lately. It's annoying, yeah. but, uh, or I'll read in the morning uh, or I'll turn the music up and crank it and hit some weights. And that's times for me. So from 5.30 to 7 a.m., that's me. I like me, you know, and I spend a lot of time for real. It's narcissistic yeah. and I understand that. And I think the goal in life, I think you should want to love you, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to build something that you're proud of. And, and I have to learn that, you know, in the mornings, it's about, you know, reflecting on the things that I do well, reflecting on the things that I don't do well, and then trying to improve on some of those things, whether it's through reading or just, you know, meditating or peace of mind, right? So I try to do that in the morning and make sure that, uh, make sure that I start my day correctly. From seven to nine, I'm dad. Like, I'm unequivocally dad. I want to lay on the couch with him. I want to watch cartoons. I want to watch Mickey Mouse. I want to have breakfast with him. I want to cook. I want to clean. Like, I want to get him ready for school. This morning, you know, put him all in a single cab, drop him off at school. Like, that's me. Like, I'm not giving that up. I don't care what it is. You want to meet with me at 8.30? Too bad. Mm -hmm. I'll be here when I get here. Yeah. And I've put myself in a situation to be able to do that. Now, I haven't always been able to do that. I didn't have kids until I was, you know, 35. So, you know, there's been plenty of days when I used to come to the office at 5 a.m., right? And I want to say those are my, you know, my unbalanced days, but really those were the days that set the foundation for what we have today. But from 9 to 5 or 9 to 6, really 9 to 6.30, uh, I'm a business guy. Like, I don't fuck around. Uh, I don't go to lunch. I don't play golf. I don't go to baseball games. I, you know, I get invited to do some of the coolest things on planet Earth. I could go, I could literally go deep sea fishing one week elk hunting the net next week, skiing the next week, uh, go to a NASCAR event the next week. And I could, I mean, they're all legitimate excuses, right? I have partners that do fitness and I could do it, but I don't because I understand that our team here, what makes our company different is our team and the community and the people of character that we 
surround ourselves with. And, you know, I owe it to them to build the best lives for them. And in order to do that, like I have to be present, I have to be involved, I have to be there for them to help answer any questions or be a support system for what they need in order to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean they need me, but that does mean that I need to be there for them. And, you know, as much as I'd like to, you know, do all those things, my time will come when I have the opportunity to do those. I want to make sure that I'm I'm investing in the people who have invested in us as a company and making sure that, you know, I'm there. I'm just, I want to be present and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they're a priority. And I think that plays into our culture, right? You know, our culture is an extremely important piece of our business and what we do. And I want to make sure that I'm helping build these young men and women of character and give them everything I got. You know, I don't want to resentment like, oh, Sal's never here. Or Sal's playing golf. So that's just, and first of all, I love doing this every day. So I show up every day to, to compete. And uh, I try to do that to the best of my ability from 9 to 6, 9 to 6.30, whatever it is. I mean, I've even built a fitness facility for kids here. So my kids come here after school so that I can stay here longer, so that I can coach, you know, soccer, basketball, baseball, and I have all their coaching done here. But neither here nor there. 6.30, I go home. From 6.30 to 8.30, I'm dad. Like, I'm rocking and rolling. Like, I'm back in. Cooking dinner, screaming, yelling, you know. May or may not spank my kids here or there, you know. Whatever. Judge me. But, you know, I, you know, I lay down, I go through the nighttime routine. I want to be present. And, you know, something that um, I've watched a lot of, I don't want to say people fail at, but I think a lot of, I've listened well to a lot of people who are in front of me. And they always, the, the advice they always give me is it goes fast, take it, you know, take your time, slow mm-hmm. it down with your kids. Yeah. And I try to, I try to absorb that. You know, I want to take that and use that and, I don't want that same regret. And I think no matter what, I will regret not spending more with them, but I want to be intentional and present with them so that I can make sure that I, I, don't, I don't hold myself uh, hostage, right, mentally that I didn't raise my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's important to me. And once the kids go to bed, um, you know, that's my wife time. And the importance for that is, you know, I love my wife. I love our marriage. It's the foundation and the rock of everything that we have. And she supports me blindly, and that's a huge deal for me. And so from 8.30 to whatever, whenever we go to bed, I let her queen, right? And I talked about last night, like, mm-hmm. if you want to be king, you got to make her queen. And my uncle, electrical contractor, uh, you know, he told me that when I was in my young 20s, you know, when you're young and, you know, may have been a little arrogant and uh, still a lot arrogant, but the... Uh, you know, he used to tell me, he'd be like, yeah, if you want to you want to be king, got to make her queen. Now, at the time, you know, I'd be running around on the streets. I'd have two or three girlfriends, like... I'm like, Uncle John, you don't know shit. Like, you're just doing it wrong. You know, <laughs> I thought it was cool, you know, yeah. to be like the, the hustle life. And, uh, you know, here, as I sit here at 40 years old, I realized he, not only was he right, he was dead on. And that's kind of like the advice you take about kids, right? Like that retrospective view of people you respect, you should listen to a great deal because there's a lot of perspective in there. And what I learned about life is perspective is, is where it's at because you're going to understand that experience create, creates perspective. And uh, I want to make her queen so that I can be king. And, you know, I lead every other aspect of my day. I lead in the morning, I lead at work, I lead with my children. And it's nice to let her lead because she's good at it, you know, and she knows me. And so we have a good relationship. And that that schedule that I lay out, I don't, I'm not adherent to every single day of my life, but six out of seven days, I'm extremely disciplined to that. And, you know, my Saturdays and Sundays look much like my Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm here every Saturday and Sunday. I check in every single day. I don't, you know, people think I'm nuts, but 
it's something that's important to me. And these, these people that work inside these walls, they are my kids. And I check in on them. I've, they've lived with me. I've lent them money. I've signed, co-signed on houses, cars. You know, I've been through their breakups. I've, you know, been at their births. I mean, I've been through all that stuff with them. And so, you know, they are my family. And, uh, you know, I like spending time with them. So that's, that's my balance. As much as it's not balanced, yeah. that's my version of it. Well, it was the, is the form kind of an extension of trying to slow things down a little bit? It, it is the nucleus of trying to slow things down um, because it forces me to be extremely intentional. See, what, I, what I've learned is, you know, I'm a pretty good salesperson, right? Yeah. Including myself. Like I can sell myself and justify to myself on why it's okay to do this or why it's okay to stay mm-hmm. at work a little longer or why it's okay to maybe go to dinner, right? And, mm-hmm. and what I realized is, and it's much like excuses that we all have in our, in our lives. We sell ourselves on why it's okay. And the farm for me in particular is, you know, I wanted to get extremely intentional on being able to teach my children farm life, you know? And if I didn't put myself in a position to do it, I would excuse myself on why it's not to be done. And I would say, well, we don't, we don't live that life. You know, we live the city life, right? Oh, well, we don't have to do that because, you know, we don't, we don't go there. Well, there were a lot of things I learned as a kid that we learned on the farm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like how to set up a brush hog, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, I don't need to brush hog at five acres in the house. You know what I mean? I got a 60X mark, I'll get a zero turn mm-hmm. and two totally different things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you get on an, you know, an X mark, put your headphones on, like, you're not really working equipment, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, you're fucking mowing grass. You're, like riding, you know I mean? you're riding a rye that happens yeah. to make your yard look better. Not only that, and I got air ride, man. Some bitch is like, it literally is the Cadillac, you know? And, and as much as, you know, most people see it as like, oh, it's this noble thing. You're cutting grass with your kids. I'm like, well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the extra level, at least from the standards that I have for myself, is, you know, teaching those other things, like how to work a shovel, mm-hmm. you know, how to set up a brush hog, how to work a clutch, you know, I, most kids today, I mean, most, I got, you understand, I have three or 500 employees. Most of them are under 30. I would bet that 75% of them can't run a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? Yeah. Like I could hop on any, almost any, you can't. Yeah, he's 19, right? <laughs> but I think about this, right? <laughs> uh, nobody taught me how to run an excavator. I taught myself mm-hmm. because I was comfortable enough. You know, I've been on, and I'm not by any means like a great operator, but, I mean, I can dig a hole, move a tree. I can do the basic things, right? Mm-hmm. And those are all self-taught. And they were self-taught because when I was younger, you know, my dad taught us how to work a clutch, you know, how to work PTO, like how to use the gears and how to, you know, set a tractor up. And sure, I pulled a wheelie on a Ford. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know how to fuck things up too. And the farm for me growing up uh, allowed us the opportunity to do those things. Yeah. And I'm extremely fortunate for them. And you know, those are opportunities and things that I want to make sure that my kids don't lose sight of because it's in our DNA that way, right? And so it, it's my way of being extremely intentional that it gives me purpose, it gives me reason, and it, it really more than anything, it eliminates the excuse of why not to do it. That's what the farm is. No, it's, we talked a little bit about this. My version of the farm is Montana, and that's where I learned how to drive a manual Jeep and shoot a gun and work mm-hmm. a chainsaw and haul trees and, and catch a fish. And, and if I hadn't done any of that, um, when I was 18, started in, in the ditch of the shovels labor, I would have been screwed no. day, day one. There's no way I would have made it. And, and I think, you know, we want to talk about respect. Like, when we were building this building, I, I mean, there were days I'd show up and literally I would work with them. Yeah. Why? I don't have to. But it's that 
I one, I appreciate it and I like it too. I like I want to earn that respect from them. Mm-hmm. Like here's this guy. However, we run a, essentially a billion dollar business, and I'll get on the floor and lay flooring with you. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. not a big deal, right? And I actually like doing it. So I don't like coping trim, but you know, <laughs> slapping tiles not that you know it's not that bad. But you know, those are all things that are extremely important to me. And um, you know, I think as society moves on, we know we're losing touch with the manual trades. And we talked about this briefly yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I really, if you want to be honest, you know, I, I have zero aspirations of my son taking over this business. Um, I'd much rather teach him to build something on his own. And I think the future is in trades. You know, I think the future is in um, learning the process of building. I mean, I'm going through rehabbing a farm right now and, you know, finding labor is damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, even at a premium wage, it's just, there's not enough, there's, there's so much building going on, which is a whole other story that, I mean, even the, 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 the lower end quality guys are still crushing, you mm-hmm. know, and it's yeah. a, it's an interesting supply demand thing. Cause you're going to see as, you know, as kids become more inundated with video games, they become less inundated with shovels and tractors. Well, there's an opportunity there. That's how I look at it. And I just, you know, I'm forecasting 20 years down the road that that opportunity is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so if I can double down on teaching my kids trades teaching them and showing them how to do things young, uh, if it's of interest to them when they're older, then I have a, it's an easy transition for me to help them into business and teach them down, you know, literally a labor of love. Like, yeah. hey man, like I understand all the business stuff. My dad, I was fortunate that way. Like my dad ran an electrical distribution house. We're essentially a distributor. So those conversations and lessons he taught me about, you know, moving product in and buying supply chain and, you know, you know we do it a little bit bigger scale than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can pass that on. And if I can teach them and show them as many, uh, opportunities physically possible, whether it be, you know, shovels, tractors, fishing, hunting, which I'm not even a hunter, but I'm going to start hunting so I can show my kids and give them the opportunity. Like, Hey man, maybe you love hunting. I didn't, I didn't take off on it. I wasn't really shown or taught it, but maybe he'll love it, you know? Yeah. So well, we're going to get out there and I'm going to work, you know, we're going to work food, food plots and, I mean, I have great friends. Uh, you guys, probably a lot of people in the world, that, I don't know who they were, but the Drury Outdoor team, we sponsor them and they're great people. And it's, you know, they're going to come out and help me set up my, you know, food, food plots. And oh, like, yeah. he's going to get me through the whole thing. I'm having, I got a new Matthew's bow coming. I'm all pumped. <laughs> they got me a crossbow and I'm thinking, those things are badass, by the way. Yeah. Like if you were going to get dirty and the world apocalypse was coming, get a, get a crossbow. <laughs> it's like 500 feet per second, man. And like silent, it's like, <laughs> but I want to show them as many things as physically possible and let them fall in love with whatever it is and then teach them the process because the process is still the same, right? You know, people buy from people they like. Uh, people want to be led. Um, you know, people love people who are willing to work next to them, not preach at them. And so those fundamentals in business are really simple. So no matter what they love, I can teach them the fundamentals. You know, I happen to love this and I'm good at this. You know, I love helping people change their life. But that doesn't mean that's what they'll love. Mm-hmm. So I try to extract the principles, the fundamentals. Like what makes our business successful will make your business successful. And what makes an individual successful in my business makes an individual successful, whether it's an operator or a project manager or a super, it's the same skill set. It's the same quality. Sorry, not skill set. It's the same qualities of a human mm-hmm. with just different skill sets, right? So it's a lot easier to do something that you love um, because time and energy and investment is become that that's where that kind of crosshairs 
crosses. If you don't love it, you won't, you won't invest enough time, energy, and effort to somebody that will. And the person that loves it will beat you at it ultimately. Mm -hmm. So if I can open my kids' horizons to a billion different things and then just let them down the pathway that they love, I can teach them everything else. Everything else to me is, you know, it's kind of like, it's like cutting my grass. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know which ways the stripes got to go. I know where I got to edge. And I know not to cut after it rains. Yeah. You know. What can you can you talk about um, going back to the whole respect thing and, and the farm thing? You you told the story I think it was yesterday mm -hmm. uh, about the the old farmer mm -hmm. down the road and and you and the skid steer and how you showing him you knew how to run a skid steer. Yep. Not to bring everything back to skid steers, but skid steers are important around here. Listen, I'm I'm down, babe. <laughs> I, I, can can you can you talk about that again and, yeah. and how you gained his respect by yeah. showing him you could run a skid steer? There's a guy and uh, he's our neighbor. He's a fifth generation farmer, a great dude. And at first, you know, I'm a pretty interesting person when I walk into a room, no matter what, anyway, just, you know, I'm a little bit goofy by design. I try to make it uncomfortable by design because I, I, I have one gift and it's people. Like you put me in any room, I, I don't care what it is. I'll figure it out and I'll enjoy it. Like, I don't care what we're doing. Uh, black tie, cowboy boots. I don't care. Like put me in it. And, you know, so I'm always going to be unequivocally me. And that's something I want to teach my kids too is, listen, I, I wear, when I go out on the farm, I don't walk around in jeans and boots in, in August. I just don't. I don't like to sweat my ass off. Like, I don't care if it's cool or not cool. It's fucking hot, right? <laughs> yeah. People are like, oh, you're going to get chiggers. I don't care. I don't care. I'm fucking hot. So I wear these ugly ass orange Gore-Tex shoes and shorts and fitness shirts. That's what I wear. And here's this guy next to us. And he's a great guy, man. His name's Stanley. And and uh, I can tell when I when I walk up to him, he's like, "What in the fuck is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> who is this city dick moving next to me?" And I can see it, and I'm cool with it, and and I've forced that conversation to kind of, you know, you know, just I'm always nice and cordial and very standoffish, and or he was very standoffish, or they were very standoffish. He's, 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 you know, like first of all, we're their new neighbor. They have a, you know, everybody's buying farm property right now because everyone wants to get out of the city, so mm -hmm. they're all really nervous about who's moving in next to them. And I recognize that, like, and 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 I'm a new guy on the block. I mean, where we live is, or where our farm is, is there's only 30 families on the whole stretch. They all know each other. And I just bought one of the biggest families' farms. So I'm like, now I'm public enemy number one, not only his new weird neighbor. And uh, fast forward about, I don't know, 60 days later, tree falls down on our drive. We have a shared kind of entrance. And uh, we get out and we start working on the, on the, um, the road. The trees are down and my truck's on one side, so I have to crawl over underneath the trees, and I go get my skid steer. I got one neighbor down there. He's a, he's a younger guy. He's actually a project manager. He's a great dude, and um, he, he's already got a saws. He's kind of working on it, and farmer neighbor shows up and, uh, you know, kind of slow rolls out of the Kubota, and he's got a little, he's got a little Kubota, you know, side-by-side. Uh, and you can see he's kind of looking at me. Now, mind you, I got—I forgot the story about the electric chainsaw, but bring, I'll bring that back. <laughs> the, uh, the, um, so he's looking at us. We're cutting him down. And, you know, I got the bucket and the grapple. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking pressure off the tree, you know, so the guy can cut it. And I'm moving things. And I'm, you know, setting it down. And I'm, you know, I switch over, put the grapple on. And I'm moving things on his field. And I'm organizing and stacking. And then there's kind of like this little sketchy movement. I got to go. I got a drainage ditch that goes in between my field and, and uh, the roadway. And it's probably seven feet deep. I mean, it's deep. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and 
you know, I put my bucket out on the other side of the hill and I walk my, just walk my tracks down in. I'm nose deep. Like I am as nose forward as you could possibly be in this ditch. And I grab the, you know, I close down, I get my, you know, three logs out, put my, put my bucket against or my grapple against the opposing wall and push myself back out, reset, push myself back out again and crawl back out on the road and I restack and set it out, sit back down. And, uh, I get out of the cab and he's like, Sal, I got a little more respect for you right now than I did <laughs> 60 days ago. Yep. And I said, why is that? And he's like, that was pretty good. And I said, well, listen, don't let the orange shoes fool you. You know, I got a little, little more in me than you think. And I think from that day forward, <clears throat> that skid steer, that, that moment we bonded, right? Now I go over and I mean, I'm, I go the back way to his house. You know, I go through his gates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got like a little bond, you know? He watches my property. Um, his wife, Mary, now she like, you know, she takes our supplements, she takes greens, she takes probiotics. Like, it's cool. It's fucking, I mean, it's, it's, it actually shows you that that work ethic can create a bond that will really, at this point in time, be un almost unbreakable. You know, like, I'm not some dude, I'm his neighbor, and he's proud of that, you know? And, and that, that little stupid interaction that happened because of a skill set that my dad taught me when I was younger, because he was, you know, he would let me fail and put me in equipment and teach me those things has now set me into a position of a relationship that I'm extremely important or extremely uh, thankful to have, you know, it's my neighbor. And the cool thing about farm life for me is <clears throat> that neighbor means a little bit, that word's a little bit different, you know, because it's somebody who's got your back. It's somebody who's uh, watching out after your property. You know, when something happens, a storm blows throughout there, he's first guy to call me, hey, just want to give you a heads up you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I like that. Yeah. And that little equipment interaction allowed me to do that. But I got to bring this in because this is going to, this will probably cause ruffles in your, in your little, your, uh, your podcast here. Please. I bought an electric chainsaw. <laughs> okay. Now, before you fucking judge me. <laughs> so I got a friend who's, who's the president of Milwaukee Tool. And uh, so I, I, I have all Milwaukee equipment. And one day I'm at Home Depot and I'm just sitting there and it's the only piece of equipment I don't have, you know, like I got an electric weed whacker. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have one? Uh, I, I don't, don't believe grass. in electric weed whackers. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. I think they're worthless. Buy an electric weed whacker and then use it and then tell me that same statement. <laughs> I'm just telling you, listen, I am as diesel gas black smoke driven as any individual could possibly be. Yeah. I mean, I, every truck I have rolls coal, like, you know, get it deleted. You know, I accidentally bought it deleted. Like, you know, yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> I know yeah, all yeah. the tricks, right? Yeah. Electric weed whacker is, it's not even a, I mean, it is a must. It's not a, it's not like, eh, it's like, dude, just get rid. And I, I run all steel. My, I haven't used my steel weed whacker and I don't fucking know how long. Really? I swear. I swear. Okay. So this experience, now I'm going to tell you, and I got all my friends. Now they used to think, and I, you know, hey, I wear orange shoes, so I don't care. Judge me. Yeah. <laughs> now all my friends, guess what they have? Electric weed whackers. Sure. The next move is the chainsaw. Now, let's let's preface this. I'm not saying if you're going out logging, you need an electric chainsaw, but I mean, around the house, ninety percent of the work, I, this electric chainsaw, I got to say, has replaced my steel farm boss yeah. and. When I first met Stanley, I, I can tell you why he judged me. Because when I was pulling out, I had a side-by-side -side and I was coming down. And uh, here was this box. And it was fucking electric, like little 14-inch chainsaw. <laughs> and he was probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. You know? And uh, 
The reason I bought it is because I was coming in town and I had no two-cycle mix. I had just moved there and I was thinking, fuck me, man. I got all the batteries in the world out there. I got bar oil and I can make this thing work. Yeah. And I didn't have to go and go buy a gas can. I mean, I just bought it and we had this big windstorm. So I bought a fucking electric chainsaw. And I got to be honest, it's fucking awesome. Like just, just shooting you straight. If you don't have, for small work stuff, for like cleaning up limbs and branches and things like that, it's rad. So judge me all you want. You might've just turned off the podcast, but I'm no, telling I, you, you're the one missing out. You're going to be judged. But I, <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it's, the, it's like driving a diesel truck or a Tesla. Like just driving a diesel, it just feels better. Like just having a chainsaw, like a real chainsaw and going to town, you but, feel like a fucking man. Listen, I didn't say throw your steel chainsaw yeah. away. I said, throw <laughs> your steel weed whipper yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's, let's get clear. Yeah, right. But have you ever driven a Tesla? No, I've, I've never. Okay, well, then, yeah. you, then you have no perspective. Uh, that is a good point. So yeah. when, when you get in a, you know, a, one of those P100Ds and it puts a smile on your face and you hear no sound and it's faster than shit, it's a great experience. Now, would I own one? No. Would I drive one and have some perspective there? Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so I think you know, that's a cool thing about life. Like, And I've learned too, and I think that comes with confidences. And confidence is an earned trait. Like, Until you have that perspective, it be real quick not to judge on it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, do I love running a, you know, a, a chainsaw? Of course. Like nothing makes you feel like more of a man than a chainsaw. You're like nothing. The, Tim Allen, like, oh, oh. Yeah. Without, I mean, without it's question. extraordinary. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. like the one universal tool because, you know, it's not like a power washer. Like a power washer is like a dad's dream. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's great. You know, power wash, power wash. I just bought a new one. Yeah. 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 What'd you get? Um, it's a DeWalt, like a oh, Honda engine. That's why I got a yeah. DeWalt Honda. Yeah. It's like 3,800 PSI. Yep. It's a bad motherfucker. But I bought it from my skidster. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> get a get a power nozzle on there and take the paint off. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. The, um, you know, but the power washer is like, ah, it's cool. I'm dadding, right? You're dadding with a backpack blower. I'm dadding. It's badass, you know, whatever. But a chainsaw is like, I'm a man. You know, like, <laughs> I'm a fucking man. Yeah. So, you know, there is an aspect to, you know, running a real chainsaw that has it. But I mean, I'm actually, I'm talking for actual functionality and you're for 90% of the work that little electric chainsaw you put it in your side by side you walk up yep. cut it up and slide that battery in you're there dude it's it you know what I mean it's literally and it starts do you have a steel chainsaw Husqvarna how many, how many poles does it take to get it to work? Oh, it's, it's more a than bitch. one. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, a bitch. bitch. Okay, yeah. well, you know what about yeah. a, a Milwaukee electric saw when you got two cuts to make? Uh -huh. You plug it in, you hit the button, zzz, zzz, yeah. cut it up, you put it in a fire yeah. pit. It's fucking, I'm telling yeah. you. So, Milwaukee sales, you're welcome. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try the uh, electric. I'll send you weed one. Whacker. I buy them as gifts. I bought, literally just got really? bought a house. Yeah, I just bought them. A, <laughs> I bought it. I'm like, hey, what platform you use? I use DeWalt. And I'm like, I'm going to buy you an electric chainsaw. I'm, I swear. So, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, is it the greatest thing you're ever going to buy? No, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to you're going to use it and you're going to smile. You won't tell your friends. See, I'll tell. Also, I mean, I, let's be honest too. When I was checking out at Home Depot, I was not like real excited. Yeah, about it. I was. Like, like, yeah. I was. <laughs> hat hat around, down a yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm the guy that sings from the top of the fence. It's like, hey, bro, listen, you're just missing out. That's that, you know. So 